CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. That's 1 888 Ask CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's host. I'm Jeff Wickwire, pastor of Turning Point Church in South Fort Worth, Texas, right off of I-35 and the Garden Acres exit, just a couple of miles before Burleson. And great to be with you. We're looking forward to a great show today. I'm sitting in for Mike Kessler and uh, looking forward to some great Bible questions. You know, that's why we're here. Uh, people have Bible questions, I think, more today than maybe in a long time because the world is in such turmoil, such chaos, such confusion. Um even even the the least religious are looking around going, wow, something is up from another world or something is up beyond the veil. I this is this is not normal. And you're right, it's it's not. We're in a time of real spiritual darkness and great confusion about spiritual things, and that's why we're here. This is an apologetics program, uh, meaning we're here to answer questions about the Bible and to help defend the faith that is in Jesus Christ. Uh, Jude wrote in his little one-chapter book uh, that we are to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. And that means stand up for it, uh, you know, explain it. Uh, not Don't apologize for it. That's not what apologetics means. It just means defend it. Uh, give a good answer for why you believe what you believe, and that's why we're here. So if you've got Bible questions, um, there's not a bad one. If there's a question in your mind about the Bible that has been bothering you, uh, it's not too simple, not too complicated. Give us a call, and here's the number. You can call right now. All the phone banks are open, so if you call now, jump quick. Uh, we're going to get to your question before the first 30 minutes are up, without a doubt. So here it is, 888-ASK-CSN. That's 888-ASK-CSN. Give us a call. And we will get to your question. Now, tonight, as my co-host, is Pastor Greg Blanc from Calvary Chapel, Rapid City, South Dakota. And I would wager, Greg, that it's colder where you are than it is here. Well, I don't know why you have to rub it in, Pastor Jeff. That's 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 not that's not loving one another. That's not brotherly love. But you, yeah. uh, being the wise man that you are, you are one hundred percent correct. It has uh, it has finally gotten cold here in beautiful Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, haven't had a whole lot of snow. It's just. It's just a little, a little nippy out there. I'm, uh, I'm originally from San Diego, so I've had to, uh, I've had to adjust over the last 21 years, but yeah, it's, yeah. uh, it's not horrible. Well, you know, yesterday's show was interesting because we had calls from across the spectrum. One person called from Hawaii. Well, even the co-host was from Hawaii. Uh, Daryl Skinner. Daryl, yeah, and, um, Darryl. You know, it was like a, a beautiful 80 degrees. And then we got two calls from Montana where it was ready, 44 below. So we got 80 degrees, 44 below across the spectrum. So we're about to get our own cold front here, Greg, and everybody's bracing for it. It's supposed to start hitting tomorrow. But you know what? God is not affected and the Holy Spirit is not affected. And this program is not affected. We're here to answer Bible questions. So again, if you've got a Bible question, give us a call. We've got a few calls coming in now, but you can call us at 8888-ASK-CSN. 
And let's just dive right in to, I think it's Zath in Washington. Hello, Zath. Is that the right pronunciation? Yes, that is. Uh, All right, Zath. I've never met a Zath. It's good to, good to talk to you. Oh, good, good to talk to you, Pastor. Uh, my question for you is, uh, I know Jesus turned water into wine, and me and my brother-in-law just aren't sure if uh, what the Bible says about drinking, if it's okay to have a beer here and there or not. Okay. Um, the Bible is clear, for instance, in Ephesians, it says, be not drunk with wine. Now, that's talking about being inebriated. That's talking about, you know, genuinely being drunk, sodded. You know, you're you're not in a good place. You've drunk too much. Now, the question becomes, when is drunk drunk? That is, when does God consider uh, taking alcohol or drinking alcohol, how, how much, or when does he consider it too much? Uh, did, you know, would God consider what we call drunk to be way past the line? And maybe when we feel a little bit giddy, God considers it drunk. I don't know. Uh, but I do know that it says, don't be drunk with wine. Now, people like to quote the verse where Paul is talking to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says to Timothy, have a little wine for your stomach's sake and for your oft infirmities. Now, people that like to drink, Christians that like to drink, run to that verse, and they say, see, Paul recommended wine to Timothy. And then, of course, it's easy to retort and say, well, are you having stomach problems? Because Timothy was. So Paul was recommending uh, something fermented as having medicinal qualities or something medicinal to it that would have helped uh, Timothy's uh, stomach afflictions. So that's really not a go-to verse for people that aren't sick, aren't having afflictions. They just want to drink. You can't use that because that's not how Paul used it. Um, nowhere in the Bible that I can think of is a good light shined on drinking. I can't tell people, God clearly said you can never take a sip of alcohol. I, it's, I can't pull out a verse for that. I don't know of a verse for that. My question is, what are you after when you do it? In other words, why are you doing it? Is it just, is it to relax? Is it to get a buzz? Is it to numb some pain, uh, some inner pain, some soul pain? Is it, is, is that why? In other words, nobody drinks without a motive, without a need. So they're looking to that alcohol uh, to take care of something, to, to do something for them on their behalf. So, I, I like to pose that question because I don't, I don't drink. I don't drink anything. I don't drink privately or publicly. I just, it's my choice personally to not drink. I like having clear thinking. Uh, the Bible says be sober, be alert, be watchful for your adversary. The devil walks about like a roaring lion, sinking whom he may devour. Now, the verse that Peter uses there that he wrote, he says, you know, be sober. That's literally talking about don't be under the influence of alcohol. So, again, we have no measuring rod to know when too much is too much. We don't know. But, yes, Jesus did make wine at the wedding, and that's another go-to verse for people that want to drink. And I only say to that, you don't know how fermented that was. I personally have a real hard time imagining my Lord creating something fermented 
where those wedding guests, most of whom were not uh, righteous, they weren't walking with God, they were not people committed to God, they were just wedding attend- attendees, that he would have created something that they could have overdrunk and become inebriated and said something they shouldn't, done something they shouldn't, gone somewhere they shouldn't, in other words, would have gone out of control. I have a hard time processing that Jesus would have created something like that. I don't know. I can't say one way or the other authoritatively. I only know that I think the best thing is to have the clearest mind you can have. Uh, be think, think soundly, think clearly, be sharp, be discerning, be alert. Why? Because we have an enemy who's always walking, pacing, uh, stalking Christians to bring them down. And I think that one way he certainly succeeds at that is luring Christians into habitually drinking. Now, that's my thoughts, and I hope I didn't go around and around too much, but um, that's where I stand with it, uh, Zath. But I'll go to Greg and see where Greg stands with this. Hey, Zach, we, I, you are asking a question that I'm sure a lot of people who are listening maybe are asking as well. So thank you. Thank you for, uh, for having the courage to, to call in and ask. Uh, I would agree with everything that Pastor Jeff says. If you come from a background like I do, I mean, I used to, you know, I used to drink a lot. I used to do a lot of drugs, you know, back in the day. And when I got saved, I just realized that I was a new creation and I wanted to stay away from as many of the things that I leaned on uh, in the world as yeah. I did. I want, I, want, I just want to le- lean on Jesus these days. I, I tell people all the time, I tell people all the time, there is no high like the most high God. And, and when, when you're under any other influence but the Holy Spirit, you are, you are limiting your ability to hear his voice. Let me tell you uh, a couple of verses that I, uh, that I just looked up right here in Proverbs chapter 20. Look at verse one. It says, uh, wine is a mocker. Now that doesn't sound, that's not a compliment, Zach. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a, is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is, is not wise. And then I have a note to, here in my Bible back to Proverbs 31, 4. It says, it is not wise, O kings, uh, to drink uh, wine, nor for princes intoxicating drinks. So I was raised, uh, you know, I was, I was raised that leaders, and it makes sense to me, not just I was raised that way, but uh, uh, when I was raised under uh, Pastor Mike McIntosh at Horizon Christian Fellowship in San Diego, he would not uh, permit anybody on staff to drink at all, which completely makes makes sense to me. And my encouragement, whenever anybody asks me this question, is is uh, if you're going to drink, kind of like what Pastor Jeff was saying, is how do you know? Is it is it a beer? Is it two beers? Is it five beers? Before you get that point where from God's perspective, it doesn't matter how well you hold your alcohol, but from God's perspective, are you, uh, are you drunk? So, um, I, to make it, to make it super simple for me, I know that I can't get drunk if, uh, if I don't drink at all. So that's always, that's always going to be my, uh, my, uh, my recommendation there for you, Zach. 
Pastor yeah. Jeff? Yeah, and, and Zath, one last thing. Paul gave an alternative. He said, be not drunk with wine, whereas is uh, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's your option. Now, to, to me, as a follower of Christ and somebody that wants to be sure that I've done God's will for my life by the time I go home, and then I'm going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Um, I don't want anything hindering me. I don't want anything uh, making me stumble. Um, I, I want to, I would much rather work on, focus on, and practice being filled with the Holy Spirit than drinking. Now, again, I go out to eat from time to time with Christians, uh, brothers and sisters, and uh, so, sometimes they'll order a wine. Um, I tell them, hey, look, I don't drink. Don't don't worry about me. Um, just, if, if, you know, if, if this is what you want to do, fine. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit in judgment on you. Now, if they sat there and started getting truly smashed, I would absolutely <laughs> say something. But otherwise, I just don't. It's a personal decision. And I tell our young people, if you never touch alcohol in your entire life, You've never missed a thing, not a thing. But Zath, you can do what you want with this, and uh, I would encourage you to go into the scriptures. Maybe do a little Bible study, a little word study on the word drunkenness, um, and see what the actual Greek word is. Uh, I think it's you know literally inebriated or out of control or something like that. Uh, but look it up, and then judge for yourself if it's, if it's something that God would want you to do. And I hope that helps. Yes, yes, that helps a lot. Thank you. All right, Zath, God bless. And uh, let's go now to Renee in North Carolina. Hello, Renee, how can we help? Well, thank you for taking my call. My question is this. Reading through the Old Testament in times prophecies is a little confusing mm-hmm. to me as far as the Jewish people being back in the land of Israel. I know that in Matthew 24, Jesus said to them, when they see the abomination of desolation, to flee. And I understand that that fleeing will take place at that time under that circumstance. But other than that, now that they are back in the land, will they ever be out of it again with the exception of fleeing the abomination of desolation. No, they will not be out of the land again. That's why when something like this current war with Gaza and with Hamas, um, people have said, oh, no, this could be the end of Israel. It won't be the end of Israel because God is going to over watch over that, that nation. He's going to watch over those people. Now, I'll be the first to admit the nation of Israel right now is as secular as we are. They, they're not dedicated to God. There is a tiny minority of true Christians that live in Israel. Uh, there's a small minority of people who still cleave to uh, Judaism, but the vast majority of people living in Israel right now are secular. Uh, they're like us. And and so um, admitting that and, and being honest with that, that really doesn't have anything to do with God's promise to Israel that uh, they would be returned to the land and that they would never lose that land again. And they won't. They're not going to lose it again. As a matter of fact, Jesus is going to return to that land 
not just to the land, but to the Mount of Olives. And the prophet Zechariah said when he comes back, his feet will land on the Mount of Olives, and it will cleave from the east to the west. And then we recall also that when Jesus was ascending back to the Father, there in the early book of Acts, when he's about to go back home, uh, he starts going up. And he didn't go up instantly, but it seems, as you read the narrative, that he went up uh, rather slowly or at least slow enough where the disciples could watch him ascend. He didn't just disappear like Enoch did. He ascended. Now, as they're watching him go up, and it says they watched him disappear into the clouds, suddenly there was an angel. And he said, you know, why are you gazing up into heaven? And he tells them the same way that Jesus left is the way he's going to return. Now, they were right then on the Mount of Olives. So Israel, Jerusalem, that whole area is has never lost its importance. It's very important in end times prophecy. And it really is where it's the epicenter of end time prophecy. It's, it's sort of the divine hourglass of uh, end time prophecy. And if you want to know what God's doing prophetically, you keep your eye peeled on Israel. And uh, so uh, Israel, the Jews aren't going to be going anywhere. The day will come, according to Paul in Romans 10 and 11, and other places in the, in the scriptures, Ezekiel 38 and 39, uh, there's going to be a national awakening on the part of the Jewish people, and they're going to come to Christ in droves. I'm not saying every single Jew, the Bible doesn't say that, but it says as a nation, collectively, they're, they're going to come to Christ uh, in the end, end times. So uh, that said, Greg, anything you'd like to add to what uh, Renee is asking? Well, Renee, thanks for the question. And Pastor Jeff, uh, I just love to hear people who love Israel talk about Israel. And you love mm-hmm. you love Israel, and I love Israel as well. Actually, um, I was... I was in Israel on October the 7th when everything went down. I was in Jerusalem and, uh, and I could see the, uh, uh, I could see the Iron Dome, uh, missiles taking out some of the, uh, Katusha rockets that were being fired in from Gaza. And I, uh, uh, now is the time to be standing with Israel. So to, uh, to answer, to answer your question, Renee, yeah, you're talking about, uh, about Matthew 24 verses, uh, 15 and 16. Verse 15 definitely talks about, uh, when you see the abomination that causes desp- uh, desolation that we are to, uh, well, it says that those of you who are in Judea, so it's, we know who it's talking about. It's talking about the Jews. So like Jeff said, we know that the Jews are in their land at that point and they're told to flee to the mountains. And, and we don't know, we don't know exactly where that is. You know, they're, the Jews aren't going to flee to the West because that's the Mediterranean Sea. We know that they're not going to, uh, to flee to the North because of the, uh, uh, the troops that will that will be coming in uh, against them, probably under under the Antichrist rule. So a lot of people think that they'll go to Jordan and they'll go to the rock city of of Petra. We uh, we had a chance to to go there uh, as well on the last trip. When we got when things got interrupted on our tour, we uh, we spent our first uh, 
four or five days touring Israel, and then we uh, then we just crossed the border at the King Hussein crossing and went uh, and went over to Jordan and spent some time there, and and it, it was good to be back in uh in petra so i can i can see how that's uh that's a possibility of uh of where they'll go so renee excellent question good for you being a student of god's word one other just one bible verse you may want to look up and just mark in your own bible regarding them returning again now there were two returnings they returned uh, when they came back from babylonian captivity in the days of jeremiah but then there was a second regathering that is predicted in Jeremiah, for instance. This isn't the only place, but it's one of them. Jeremiah sixteen fourteen. Therefore, behold, the days come, says the Lord, that it shall no, no more be said, the Lord lives that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord, but the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. And I will bring them again into their land that I gave to their fathers. Now, that's the second regathering. That's one of many verses. You can look up uh, a lot of them in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 16, 14, chapter 23, uh, verse 3, uh, several places in, in the Old Testament prophets where uh, he is, they are predicted to return again to the land, and once they're there again, they won't be leaving. So I hope that helps, Renee. It does help. It's very reassuring. And come thou almighty king. Amen. We're in perilous days, but also really exciting days regarding prophetic fulfillment. So thank you, Renee, for calling in and stay on the line. We'll get you a gift for calling and keep on listening to To Every Man an Answer. Thanks for giving us an ear. Let's go now to Jeffrey in Mineral Wells, Texas, kind of near me. Hello, Jeffrey. Hey, hello. Actually, I just passed your church today. Uh, No way. Uh, your church is on 35, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, I just passed it. Just, this is about an hour or two ago. Um, so, uh, guys, what I'm uh, wanted to ask you about is First Samuel 25. I'll tell you what, Samuel, the book of Samuel is so rich. If I were a pastor, I could, I could do, do sermon after sermon after sermon just on First Samuel. But yeah. in First Samuel 25... Um, it's is when uh, you know uh, the uh, was it Nabal I guess it was uh, who was yes. married to Abigail at the time uh, but he he uh, David felt crossed by him I'm, of course I'm paraphrasing all this felt crossed by him and we're was on the way to pursue him Abigail uh, met him in the, met him in between as the intercessor and mm-hmm. basically saved her husband's life uh, and my my question to you is do you feel like that is is a uh, kind of a Christophany a picture of Christ. Uh, and that's with with David being uh, maybe whether it be Ab- Abigail being the intercessor, or David showing so much grace uh, that that he uh, you know saved the, spared the life yeah. of Nabal. And then I'd also point out that Nabal got drunk and died at the end, which is to me it gives kind of a picture of, of of sinners who reject Christ. So I, I don't know what yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, good question. It, it's not a Christophany. A Christophany is an actual. Uh, appearance of Christ in Old Testament times, pre-incarnate Christ, uh, and it, it takes many different forms. Like, for instance, the fourth man in the burning fiery furnace in the days of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and in Babylonian captivity when they were thrown into the oven. Even Nebuchadnezzar said there was a fourth man in there, and he looks like the Son of God. Well, that's a Christophany. Uh, and many different places in the Old Testament, you 
see uh, Jesus showing up in a pre-incarnate form uh, in a Christophany, and that's what we call it. And uh, it's, it's not that, but I do believe that you hit on something when you mentioned uh, Abigail uh, modeling intercession, because what is the intercessor? An intercessor typically stands between God and his wrath and the person or people upon whom his wrath is focused and stands in the gap and prays for them that God's wrath would be turned away and mercy would be poured out. That's what it means when it calls Jesus our mediator. He's our intercessor. Matter of fact, what is he doing right now? He ever lives to make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Uh, over and over again, Abraham, for instance, another example of an intercessor, when God was on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah and was going to judge Sodom and, and, and wipe it out. Abraham, it says he stood between God and Sodom and said, now, Lord, if there's 50 righteous, 40 righteous, 30 righteous, will you destroy, destroy it for 20? How about 10? And he gets God all the way down to 10. Now, what is he doing? He's interceding just like Abigail did because David had said, I'm wiping Nabal out. He's not going to be alive by tomorrow morning. I'm, I'm taking him out. He's treated us like dirt. And uh, all of his men had their swords girded, girded on their sides, and they were headed there, frankly, for a massacre. They were going to take him out because he had treated them wrongly. Now, Abigail brings all this food. Her speech to David is pure poetry. It's beautiful. It's one of the greatest examples of intercessory prayer in the entire Bible. I mean, that woman knew how to pray. She knew how to intercede. She knew how to handle a furious individual. She was so wise. I mean, kudos to Abigail. Uh, you know, any woman that wants to know uh, how to treat an, an angry man, you ought, to, you ought to read Abigail because she knew how. And what here's what she did. David said at the end of her speech, David said, blessed are you of the Lord, because no doubt about it, now I'm paraphrasing, but no doubt about it, I would have wiped out Nabal and everybody with him by tomorrow. But your words have stopped me. Blessed be you of the Lord. So she stopped a terrible scene from taking place. Now that's what Jesus does as our intercessor. And uh, we're coming up on a break, Jeffrey. I want you to stay with us because I want to hear back from you and hear what Greg has to say. Folks, we'll be right back to talk to Jeffrey from Mineral Wells. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We've got more great questions coming your way. Be right back. If babies in their mother's womb could speak, what would they say? Did you know an unborn baby's heart is already beating at just three weeks? By five weeks, you can hear their heartbeat on ultrasound. And that's where Preborn's network of clinics step in. The heartbeat is the voice of the preborn, and you can share their voice in a big way. I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry, and it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. <laughs> 
Preborn is the nation's largest provider of free ultrasounds, and every day they rescue 200 babies' lives. Will you speak for those who cannot speak for themselves? To find out more about the life-saving work of Preborn, visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax-deductible, and Preborn has a 100% charity rating. Your love can save a life. You know, these days, so refreshing to get some good news about how to pay for health care, especially if you're 65 or older, you know just how brutal costs can be. Well, MediShare now has a new option for you. It's called MediShare 65 Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. And it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. If you've got Medicare Parts A and B, MediShare 65 Plus fills in those gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too, because it starts at only $99 a month for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access, prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Just very worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is taking applications now. And if you call with the promo code SHARE before January 31st, your second month will be free. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Welcome back to To Every Man and Answer. I'm Jeff Wickwire, sitting in for Mike Kessler. I'm pastor of Turning Point Church in South Fort Worth, Texas, on I-35 and Garden Acres Exit. And uh, so good having on the line right now, Jeffrey from Mineral Wells, who providentially passed by my church today, going down 35. And uh, before we go back to my co-host today is Greg Blanc from Calvary Chapel, Rapid City, South Dakota. And uh, man, that first thirty minutes just flew, didn't it, Greg? Yeah, oh, I yeah, I can't believe it. It went by very, yeah. very quickly. Jeffrey, what a what a great question! And and I, Pastor Jeff, I am impressed with your your recall on that story there in uh, in First Samuel twenty five. I had to go back and and look at it a little bit during the break. And and what what an incredible woman woman Abigail is. You know, David is traveling through the wilderness, and he he's sends 10 of his men ahead of him to uh, to this rich man, this very wealthy man who has 3,000 sheep, this man, Nabal. And, and, uh, and David gives very specific instructions and verbiage, uh, kind words, compassionate words. He's trying to find food and, uh, and uh, basically a safe haven temporarily. And so he, he sends his men ahead. They go and they meet with Nabal. And and they do. They repeat what uh, what David has told him. And 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 Nabal, Nabal, cocky guy that he is, he says, "Hey, well, well, who is David? And why, you know, why should I, you know, why should I do anything, you know, to help him?" So this torques off David, and he gets pretty upset, and uh, and says that, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna wipe out Nabal. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wipe out all of all of his men." So. What does Abigail do? She saddles up her little donkey, goes out and meets him. She falls on her knees, bows down before him, and and again, just just words of kindness and words of words yeah. of grace. Earlier, David says that 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 this yeah. Nabal guy is a scoundrel, and she says that he's a scoundrel uh, 
that her own husband is a scoundrel too because she wants to intercede yeah. uh, for him. And it just and another, works out. Another that, thing I would point out about it. Heart. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I'm sorry, Greg. I didn't mean to interrupt. I, uh, just one thing I want to point out before I forget it, that this is it's not just a picture of intercession, but it's an incredible picture of entreaty. Um, how to yeah. entreat or how to approach a furious person and pacify them. This woman, I mean, she had wisdom. I mean, really, I, I don't know where she got it. I don't know who taught her this way, but uh, she had just some incredible wisdom. And uh, so, Jeffrey, your point is well taken regarding her being a picture of intercession. I hope that helps. Yeah, it does very tremendously. And and if I may, I'll be really quick, just to ask one other little question. Uh, is that okay? Sure. Okay. Uh, the uh, I, I listen to a lot of preaching. Uh, I'm a truck driver, so I'm... I listen all day to sermons. Matter of fact, I listened to about three or four of yours today off your website. But um, I heard a, a preacher preach that uh, the uh, the backslidden of the Lord will not be included with the rapture of the church. Do you feel that that could be the case? That you know, if someone is backslidden and they get caught in or while in sin, and and the, when the rapture happens, that even though they're they've been saved, they're living outside of the will of the Lord, mm-hmm. would you think that they would uh, be included in the rapture of the church? Then I'll jump off the phone here in a minute. Greg, I'm going to let you take that. And um, sure. what are your thoughts? Because that's a great question. It It is. You know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky word, isn't it, Pastor Jeff? Because yes. different people pour different meanings into the word backslidden. And uh, I'll tell you this, that the Bible knows nothing of anyone who is saved being left behind at the rapture. So if a person is saved, truly born again by the spirit of the living God, uh, they will, they will go and meet Jesus in the air. The challenge is, is that backslidden is, at least from my perspective, is a, it's an overused word. Sometimes, sometimes it gives license to people staying in the world that maybe aren't even converted or they're not re regenerated at all. They, they aren't born. They aren't born again. So my, my goal always is don't, don't live your life with a question mark as much as possible. Stay pedal to the metal for Jesus. Pastor Jeff, what do you think? It's, it's a, yeah, it's, um, you know, for instance, if a guy were to drive away from his house, having had a fight with his wife, and, um, you know, going down the highway, he gets in a wreck as a believer and dies. Okay, would he go to heaven because of the state of mind he was in when he lost his life? Or let's put it this way, so that we can stick to the question uh, more closely. If he leaves his house having had a fight with his wife, or she having leaves the house having had a fight with her husband, and driving down the highway, and the rapture comes. Because they're in that state of mind, and maybe they haven't had a chance to repent or to get right with their spouse, are they going up still? As opposed to the person who used to walk very closely with Jesus, but over time they've drifted, gotten away from the church, away from prayer, are flirting with the world, maybe involved in some worldly things, would they go? Well, I'm not God. All I do know is this. One of Jesus' repeated themes was to always be ready. Always be ready, because he's coming like a thief in the night, he emphasized this over and over again. 
I'm coming like a thief in the night. When men least expect it, I'm going to come. So be ye therefore ready, for you know not what hour uh, your Lord comes. So listening to that warning, I would think it best for sure to be walking with Jesus as best you know how, as closely as you can every day, because he could come before this show is over. It would be fine with me. That would be great. But it could happen. We never know when he's going to come. So his message was always be ready, be prepared, uh, be sure that uh, your sins are confessed, and and because uh, you don't know when I'm going to come. So that's what I would say, Jeffrey. Uh, I'm not God. I don't know, you know, where somebody's heart would be or their spirits would be. Uh, I, I would think it would be sort of a relative question to a point. Uh, so all I can quote is what Jesus said. So best to stay close. Good deal. Keep up the good work, guys. I hope that helps. Yeah. Thank you, yes, Jeffrey. Sir. And thanks for listening to the messages today. And God bless you. And let's go now to Cal in Dallas, Texas. Again, my neck of the woods. Hello, Cal. How can we help? Hello. Hello. Um, I have a question about uh, salvation. And I'm so glad that uh, there's so many supporters of Israel. It's uh, been a long uh, relationship with me in Israel maybe 15 years ago because Abraham established everything, the father, you know, of our faith as yeah. Christians. So yeah. I I left the city where everything, any behavior was permissible. I was a very naive um, middle-aged, well, in my 30s, coming to a big city where I had to make wise decisions as a former church Girl, you know, my yeah, dad was- Cal. Cal, do do you have a question? Do you have a, Do you have a Bible question for us, or uh, can you kind of frame this in a, in a question? I can yes. I don't mean to be autobiographical, but it's a you know preamble to the story. But um, okay. I am here not craving any you know uh, bad uh, behavior. And nothing that would taint my character as a child of God. However, I'm being stalked and harassed by unseen men from decades past, maybe 30, mm-hmm. 20, 30, 40 years ago. Okay. And, uh, let me, let me stop the... right. Let me, let me stop you right there. And let me say, first of all, that's got to be a terrifying experience to feel like people are stalking you. And, um, you know, I can't imagine. But what we want to do, Cal, because it's really not so much a question as a predicament that you're in, uh, I believe that God wants to help you. I believe the Lord wants to help you. And I'm going to ask Greg, Greg, would you pray for Cal uh, that God would protect her and give her peace of mind? Because, you know, Jesus came to give us peace of mind. He, he said, my peace I give to you, and I'm not going to take it back. So, She's being attacked in a way that is taking away her peace of mind, sense of security. So would you pray for her, Greg? And let's pray, Cal. Thank you. Let's go ahead, Greg. 
Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your daughter, Cal, and thank you for your great love for her, and thank you for the many promises that you have that you say that you are our shield, and you are our guard, and you are our refuge, and you are our hiding place, and that that you will protect your people. And so, God, I, I pray that the anxiety that she is experiencing right now, I pray that you would still her heart, that you would hold her hand, that you would remind her that uh, we have the privilege to cast all our care on you because you care for us and that we're not to be anxious in anything, but in all things through prayer and through supplication, we present our request to the Lord and the peace of God that transcends uh, mm-hmm. all understanding. We'll guard our hearts and our mind in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would repro- reprove the enemy who is mm-hmm. is uh, speaking into her heart right now to cause her to fear. Your word says that there is no fear uh, in love, that perfect love casts out all fear. So we're asking, God, that you would make yourself very real to this precious woman right now and that she would feel your presence like never before. And God, if there if there are legitimately things going on, uh, with, uh, with people that are stalking and, and, uh, harassing, uh, this incredible woman. God, we pray that you would thwart, uh, their plans. If it's your will for law enforcement to be involved, I pray that, uh, that they too would come alongside uh, this yeah. woman. We know, we know that you have the ability and we trust, we trust her into your hands. In your name, Amen. Jesus, we pray. Well, Cal, thank you so much for calling in and our prayers are with you. And, um, you know, just look to the Lord, let him give you peace. And, you know, so many people are dealing with fears these days. And it's just a, it's a sad thing to hear. It's a sad thing to see. Thank God that uh, he didn't give us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. So thank you, Cal, and uh, we'll let you go. And you hang on the line. They'll get you a gift for calling in. And let's go now to Bob in Alaska, way in Alaska. Hello, Bob. I'm, we're coming to Alaska in May, so uh, looking forward to seeing it. So how are you there in Alaska? Uh, we're doing good. Uh, Great. I had a, I had we a situation. To, I had a situation uh at work today, when I as I was getting off, my boss talked to me, and I uh, we got two moose crossing the highway here. Uh, <laughs> cow and a calf. Uh, anyway, uh, I drive uh, a van transporting people from point A to point B, and a gal that I transported yesterday had kind of come unglued about. Uh, I had the radio on to CSN. And, uh, mm-hmm. so my boss talked to me about it today and, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not all upset about it because I know Jesus took a lot of, a lot of gut and, and persecution and stuff. But so, uh, but I just, uh, wonder if I should leave the radio off or, or, or continue doing it and kind well, of, uh, did your boss tell you to not have, did your boss tell you to not have it on anymore? She told me, uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out the way, the best way to say it, something to the effect of uh, cut back on their religious stuff. And so. Uh, well, cut back is not cut off. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, 
if it were me, I would want to know what cutback means. Does that mean totally? Or does that mean just somewhat or, you know, kind of cool it a little bit? I don't know. Um, and I don't know what the parameters are for, for your job, what the guidelines are, what you agree to or not when you took the job. Uh, you know, you may want to call back uh, tomorrow when Brad Dacus is on, because this is sort of a little bit of a legal question, workplace question. And Brad Dacus is going to be on with us. And uh, he's a he's an attorney and um, has a national organization helping people that deal with stuff like what you're dealing with right now. So if I could encourage you to call back tomorrow, if you have the opportunity and talk to Brad Dacus about it and see what he says, because I think he can probably give you some pretty good tips on that. All right. Thank you. You bet, Bob. Our prayers are with you. And uh, let's go now to Wilma in Cottonwood, Arizona. Hello, Wilma. How can we help today? Hello. Oh, this is, I'm excited. I've been a student of Bible prophecy for 47 years. I went to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa back then. You can't help but go there and not become a student of Bible prophecy. Anyway, um, I've been looking for the Lord's return since then. And uh, Mm -hmm. my husband and I accidentally... Well, it wasn't by accident. It was by divine intervention. We were on YouTube, and we saw a thing, something about India. So we looked at it. There's a Calvary Chapel in India. The man will only teach from, he says, from Genesis to to Revelation, Exodus to Revelation. And he said, that's all he's going to do. He's got 10 more churches all over Pakistan, all over the place. 340,000 people go there every week. Mm-hmm. And the scripture that came to my mind that excited me about the end times is when the fullness of the gospel comes in, then the Jesus will come. You can't get any more full than that. I mean, and this country here, they don't want the Lord. They just want uh, what they have. Oh, we have everything. Well, that's going to yeah. come to an end. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I so, just so to, Wilma, go ahead. I just wanted to encourage everybody that, you know, what they say all on the news and everything in the world, the Word of God is real. The rest is garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's true. And I appreciate your uh, calling and letting us know about that. That's an encouragement to hear uh, yeah, that's a lot of people going to church. That would that would keep you busy as a pastor, that's for sure. So, yeah, thanks for that encouraging word, uh, Wilma. And um, the Lord is near at the door. He could come today. We're looking forward to that. It goes without saying. So thank you, Wilma, for calling. And uh, stay on the line. We'll get you a gift for calling in. And uh, let's go now to Joe in Arkansas. Hey, Joe, how can we help? Uh, can you hear me? I can. Hello. The abomination of the desolation lasts 1,290 days. And he that waits and perseveres till 1,305 and 30 is blessed. But there's two other numbers. The witnesses witness for 1,260 days. And the lady who goes into the wilderness for refuge goes in for 1,260 days. We know what happens to the witnesses. What happens with the lady that goes in the wilderness? Because she 
ends 30 days before the abomination ends. Does she come back? Yeah, you're, you're talking out of the book of Revelation there. And to my understanding, the lady that goes into the wilderness is uh, Israel, is the Jewish people. And they are seeking refuge. They're seeking protection. And uh, that's my understanding of that verse. You didn't give a chapter and a verse, so I'm going on memory here. But It's, Revel- um, it's Revelation uh, 12.6. Why don't you go ahead and read that, Greg, so our listeners can know what he's talking about. You bet. You bet. It says, then when the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God, that they would feed her there 1,260 days. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly uh, into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. Okay. And uh, so, Joe, yes, I, I you know, the, the days, uh, it, it can really become a, a difficult thing to, uh, you know, look at all these different days and times that are given and how much of it is symbolism and how much of it is literal and so on and so forth. But I believe in Revelations 12 that uh, the woman, because it says uh, in a couple of verses before that, uh, when the dragon saw that he was cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman which had brought forth the man-child. Now, this is a good example of, of how the book of Revelation can be dealing with something future tense and then suddenly drop back into history. Because Revelations 12 is all about the woman and the dragon. And it is, it is depicting the birth of Christ. The woman that gives birth is the, is Israel. Uh, it's, she is, she is illustrative of Israel. The baby born is Christ. And the serpent persecutes the woman out of fury, anger, and vengeance because she brought forth his worst nightmare. And that is the bruiser of his head. That is Messiah Jesus. So the one who is fleeing here for protection is Israel. And, um, you know, the actual time frame of this is a little bit difficult to ascertain because, again, he's going back in history and showing the birth of Christ in a very symbolic way. But it is the birth of Christ that's being depicted. And uh, so when the serpent, being the devil, persecutes the Jewish people, God protects them. It says God gives them uh, wings and they're able to fly, uh, fly away to a place of, of protection and solitude. So, uh, that's sort of in a nutshell and in a real brief nutshell what that chapter is about. So, Greg, any further thoughts? Yeah, I think that, uh, uh, I think that Joe was all, he, he mentioned, uh, what is going on there in Revelation 12, and he also mentioned what's going on in, uh, in Daniel 12, the, the discrepancy between the 1260 days, which is a time, times, and a half a times, uh, three and a half years, um, and, uh, and what it says in, uh, in Daniel 12, I think it's verse 11, where it says, and from that time, the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is, is, uh, is set up. So we know that that's the midpoint of the trib. 
And then it goes on to say there shall be 1,290 days. And then it goes, and then it's, it says, blessed is he who, uh, who waits and comes to the 1,330 days. Yeah. And, and the challenge is, it's exactly as you said, Jeff, the Bible isn't explicit. What's, what's going to be going on in those, those extra 30 days or those extra 45, uh, days? I don't, you know, people will write whole books. You probably had people yeah. come up and tell you they yeah. write whole yeah. books on, on the yeah. silence of the Bible. And so remember yeah, what Pastor it's, Chuck it's, taught us. Exactly. Where the Bible is silent, so am I. What you can walk away from chapter 12 in Revelations with, without a doubt, is this. That when Christ was born, he, he was he came through the Jewish people, through the line of Judah. And when it happened, Satan was furious. And Satan, we know, uh, tried to kill him. Tried to kill him as a baby. Tried to kill him throughout his life. And the Bible uh, says that God protected the Jewish people from the wrath of the devil who came against them because of the child that came forth through their race. Uh, so we see the anger of the devil over Jesus and we see that he attacks, but we also see that God protects his own. So that's it, a lot of stuff here, Joe, and I appreciate your call and I hope that somehow helped. Again, all those numbers uh, generally causes everybody listening to get cross-eyed. We don't know what they all mean. So it's easier to walk away and just say, you know, Satan attacked the Jewish people. That's why he hates them today. That's why the anti-Semitism has exploded across the globe, because he still hates the Jewish people, because through them came his greatest nightmare, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope that helps, Joe, and uh, God bless you there in Arkansas. And we're coming down to the end of the program. we got time for at least one more. So I'm going to go to Tony in Ohio and a question about eschatology. Hello, Tony. How can we help? So my question has to do with, um, you know, like the nations that will assist the Antichrist in the end times. Why is it that um, it's mostly like taught in the European-centric kind of way instead of the Middle East-centric way? But in the, because in the Bible it doesn't make any any mention of any European country, so I, I guess sometimes I get confused with it. Now, are you, are you talking about okay end time prophecy? Like what time and what part of end time prophecy? Are you talking about the Ezekiel thirty eight war, for instance, or what yeah, part like of prophecy? Like the ten nations that will join in ah, the okay. war against Israel. All right, the Ten Nation Confederacy. Uh, okay. So there you have the revival of ancient Rome. Um, you have, you have the, the beast with, uh, ten crowns and ten heads and seven horns and all of this. And, and, uh, uh, most Bible scholars, when it comes to eschatology, which means the doctrine of the end times, what's going to happen as uh, God wraps everything up is in history as we have known it. Uh, end time events, prophetic events, and it, it has been understood that that ten-headed beast is the revival of the Roman Empire, and that is in Europe. And uh, so you're right about that, Tony, but we're at the end of the program. We don't have time to deal with much else, so uh, try calling back tomorrow. Maybe we can get to your phone call. Lucille, thank you. Chuck, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Greg, thank you. You did a great job. 
And Thanks, we will Jeff. see you next time, folks, on To Every Man and Answer. Be to blessed. To more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us To Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash TEMA. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station.